0: How did do? How did do?
1: How did it do? How do you Do you have a good 420?
2: I did well, no, not really. No. What did I do? I felt like no. <laughs> I forgot it was 420.
1: You forgot, oh man.
2: I forgot. I felt like I'd let down, you know, weed <laughs> and all the all the stones in the well. But like the the night before, I would got like stoned and made like a chip buddy, so yeah, I felt okay. like I, I did it.
1: I, I feel like you're probably all right, though, because you forgot because you were smoking weed, so it was like
2: <clears throat> exactly. pretty good. I'm so much smoking so much, I forget to smoke.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like, you know, smoking on a plane. You can get high while you get high.
0: Yeah, man. <sighs> Damn. Oh, oh God, bloody.
1: Damn. <laughs> I got you, didn't I? Damn. Well, that's funny you should mention. Planes, Phil. Oh, man. Planes get really high and they go places and they carry stuff like people and cargo and all sorts of stuff. It's crazy how they can do that.
2: They do that. I've seen them. Mm. I've been on them. Have you ever been homesick, Phil?
1: Hmm? Yeah.
2: yeah, of course. I'll leave the house for 20 minutes
1: if I get home. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most homesick you've ever been?
2: I've been annoyed at that point in the... Uh, if, if you're lucky enough to get in, to go on a vacation.
1: Yeah, and
2: depends where you are. But after a week or so, you're like, I'm done with it. <laughs> I really <laughs> yeah. miss. Yeah, I'm ready. The again. you know,
1: the again.
2: melancholy gray skies of London. You could at least you know, comforting. You know it. It tastes. It's home.
1: Yeah.
2: The annoyed. The Like, always that moment coming back. Sometimes you leave too soon and you're not homesick no. and you're resentful yeah. before you actually live.
1: Yeah. But sometimes you overstay your welcome in your life. Yeah, exactly. Like, like the party, you know, party
2: Nova, three in the morning, the lights are on, but you want that i oh, to the cake.
1: You should have just gone home.
2: You should have just gone home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been so homesick that you decided to like ship yourself in a crate from Australia to back to the UK? I mean, that's really homesick. It's real homesick. That's real home. Yeah. There was this dude who was, like, from Wales. His name was Brian Robson. Back in 1965, he, he like, got so, so homesick in Australia that, like, he convinced two dudes named Paul and John to help him escape.
2: From the Beatles? I mean, maybe. We'll, we'll put you in a crate for you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to play some songs while you're in there?
1: That's, dude, this is so interesting. Is that good? Yeah. You're owned to something because I was convinced that this guy, like, was, like, definitely thinking of John and Paul from the Beatles. So this guy, like, he's apparently been looking for John and Paul and he told the story about how. He was working in victoria with the victorian railways via this like weird immigration program in australia where they paid for his travel costs to come to the country and then the only way that like he could leave was if he like were to reimburse australia for the travel costs and then also he had to fund his own way home
2: um.
1: so when he got homesick and he wasn't enjoying it anymore he couldn't afford to. He pay. couldn't
2: just get on a plane and. The-
1: yeah, he couldn't afford it. Yeah. he wasn't. He wasn't earning enough money for it. So these two Irish dudes named Paul and John, he worked with, uh, helped him by closing them up in a wooden crate that was the size of a small fridge. You're
0: putting him in a yellow submarine.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh- they put him in this in a little crate? This little They crate. put holes in it. And yeah, they crate. they uh they shipped him to land
2: that Landon, mate. Does that work? Well they put him on a boat? Or on a plane.
1: They they put him on a plane. This is where it gets wild though, because you know your your mind instantly went to the Beatles. Mine did too, especially after I read this. So inside the crate, Brian took with him pillows, his suitcase, a torch. Two bottles. In the crate. One for water and one for urine.
2: Right. Very fine. I wouldn't have thought of that. Halfway through the trip I'd be like, I'm
1: fucked. And that's kicking the <laughs> on <from> the <drowning> a <laughs> pit. And that's how I died. And then he also took a Beatles songbook with
2: <laughs> That's uh, more than a Kawinky ding. This dude definitely did do, that.
1: do this. He did like there is evidence of him doing this, so Oh he, he wasn't was, a hallucination. This, this wasn't okay. fake this story's not fake he did do this but the whole John and Paul thing he can't find them and maybe he hallucinated that bit of the story cause bro maybe they were angels. <laughs> dude he he landed in Sydney first I I'm not sure where he flew out of from Australia but he, he first landed in Sydney
2: that's funny he'd like fuck this
1: is the opposite <laughs> of what I wanted yeah <laughs> on <laughs> the other side of Australia. His box was left standing on its head for 22 hours, despite the fact that his pals wrote this end up on the crate. So it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> upside down for a day. He was just oh suffering from
1: blackouts and shit. <laughs> Wait, but how.
2: Oh man, oh. from Australia as well, that's another like 20. So he spent like a couple days inside a crate. Yeah. With just water. And a songbook and a apparently, and rolling blackouts to keep him company, and a bottle of urine, and a bottle of urine which definitely smelled. He definitely locked the cap when he was upside down.
1: He was in there for <sighs> days. He definitely would have run out of water. So was he drinking his piss? And then was he just peeing more of his piss water? He drank.
2: I mean, because I mean, it's like a life cycle, right? It's just in one end, out the other.
1: Yeah.
2: It's all the same, though You can drink piss as long as you filter it. <laughs> <laughs> if you just rang it ring it through some clothes, I'm sure it's fine.
1: Yeah. It's good. I mean it cleans teeth and stuff probably.
2: What about but what about what about number twos? Paul and John didn't tell him about the twos. <laughs> they
1: didn't tell yeah. them about the twos. Paul and John didn't tell him <laughs> the terrible twos. Yeah. That's what they call an octopus's garden. Um <laughs> Good luck, mate. All you need is lab. <laughs> When he was in the air again, he finally thought he had made it to his destination. He thought he was on his way. No oh, no. But he was wrong. Brian said that...
0: I was in the crate for five days and I ended up in the freight shed. I had thought I was in London. I could move my hand to get my torch, but my fingers were very stiff, so I dropped the torch. <coughs> <laughs> I heard voices saying...
1: What's going on in there?
0: Occupied. That's when I realized two men were not speaking with English accents. They had American accents. Oh, no. He, put, he pulled a crypt for Columbus. <laughs> One of them looked through the hole and the wood knot in the chest, and we caught each other eye to eye. He jumped back a mile and said,
2: There's a body in there.
0: Then they both ran off. An hour later, all hell broke loose. FBI, CIA, airport security, and
1: ambulance. All appeared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did they get him
2: out then?
1: Yeah, apparently his uh, his trunk or whatever that he was in like had been sealed shut. Like it had been frozen shut. <gasps> he said it was extremely cold at times and then extremely hot at times. But it turned <laughs> out he wasn't in. London. He heard American accents because he was in Los Angeles because the freight depot had been diverted to a really slow route instead of going to straight to London like he thought he was going to. He uh, got shit. sent via L.A. <laughs> and after the U.S. government realized he wasn't a Cold War spy, and after he spent some time in the hospital, he was sent back to home. Flight
2: to London this time. London, he got it. He made it. To, he was in the cabin in home.
1: with other passengers. Flying
2: coach. He's
1: like, could you imagine if they sent him back to Australia? After all that, after all that, they just going sent him back, 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 to, back to Australia. what the me and Paul and John? Okay, okay. They are just like picking up his piss-stained Beatles songbook, just like, yeah. okay, Paul and John, yeah, sure. <laughs>
2: Yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> then he met up then he met up with two other guys, George and Ringo, and they got it right that time. <laughs> but Ringo refused to give him an autograph. <laughs> Peter loves.
0: Patriots, one of our most popular ad partners are back. It's Manscaping. And oh boy, do we have an offer for your Patriot package. It's the Perfect Patriot 3.0. The Perfect Patriot 3.0 kit is designed to make grooming below the waist easy. Comfortably trim below the waist with the Edge Clipper 3.0 waterproof trimmer. Enjoy the soft ceramic blades, cutting your Patriot pubes at 7,000 RPM. And for all the true Patriots out there that work hard for a living, you will need the crop duster. Deodorant for your balls. It's infused with cooling aloe vera, so it smells good and feels smooth all day. And if you're on the go, revive your balls with the new crotch resuscitator, ball toner, and refresher spray. Order today and use promo code Breadcrumbs at checkout to get a free newspaper to clip your ball hairs into with your order. Manscaping. Grab your life on the balls and shave them until they're smooth.
1: Breadcrumbs. Well, that reminded me of the story I heard the other day, just strangely about, like, people in trunks and stuff. Mm. Have you ever heard of the Brighton Trunk Murders?
2: <laughs> no. I don't know if I'm going to want to.
1: It's kind of grim. So, I was turned on to the story because our, our our mutual friend Paul, shut up Paul. Shut up Paul. He's uh planning <laughs> to move to Brighton and uh there was a yeah. house that he potentially like was supposed to look at or whatever that uh but. <laughs> had a uh, Dark history to it that was apparently on sale. I'm not really sure the details.
2: It was cheap because it had a dark
1: history. It actually wasn't very cheap either. And it's a very beautiful house, but it's one of those things where only a certain type of person might want to live there because of its connections to
0: the Brighton trunk murders.
1: On the 17th of June in 1934, William Vinicombe and James elliot <laughs> It looks like Elliot with an L to start. They misspelled <laughs> Nothing but L. Two employees in the left luggage room of Brighton Railway Station noticed a foul stench coming from a plywood trunk that had been left 11 days prior on June the 6th. The men weren't allowed to open... The left items for fear of losing their jobs, so they notified the railway police. And Detective Constable Taylor arrived on the scene.
0: What's all this, then? <laughs> there's
1: a no body in there.
0: It looks like an Australian.
1: i <laughs> uh, Wasting no time, DC Taylor grabbed his constable's truncheon and proceeded to break open the two locks. That were keeping the trunk sealed when the trunk was cried open an unimaginable foul odor engulfed the room causing oh all the men to immediately seek fresh air Oof.
2: immediately vacate their bow definitely yeah
1: it was definitely the shit, shit. that that was the shit oh. that paul and john didn't tell our friend about those are the
2: tooth. <laughs> someone dropped a f- f- fucking tooth in there <laughs> It was one of you guys. Lelia, I'm looking at you. Lelia! <laughs> Lelia, <laughs> you do know fucking shit in people's truck. Bastard. I should never have hired you. I did it a favor to me, mum.
1: <laughs> Soon after Detective Constable Arthur Stacy arrived and together Taylor and Stacy returned to the room and looked inside the truck. Inside, they discovered a brown paper bag tied with a cord from Venetian blinds. When they ripped away the paper bag, the men discovered the remains of a female torso. And oh, my God. <gasps> the chief inspector, Arthur Pelling, arrived on the scene to head up the investigation and ordered the team to search the remaining items of left luggage. No other body parts were discovered, but strangely, when they were searching the station, and I was trying to verify this story because it came up in a couple of places and didn't come up in other places. And it felt like if this happened, it should definitely be in all the places because it's fucking weird. Uh, yeah. They were searching the station and a locker was found to contain a Moses basket and inside laid the remains of a young baby girl. It was only a few days old at the time of her death. If she was ever alive, she could have been born, stillborn.
2: So there was a dead baby on that same train?
1: Well, it wasn't on a train. This was in the station. In the station. The trunk was in the station. And in one of the lockers. And this was in a locker in the station. Oh, God. And it turned out it was pure coincidence because...
0: Did you happen to be two murdered in one day?
1: Well, there's nothing that linked that baby to the woman. And the investigation deemed that the baby had been left there all the way back in February.
2: She, oh, someone just shoved a stillborn baby into a locker yeah. at a train
1: station, didn't they? Yeah,
2: that's, that's what it kind of seems like. What was, what was really weird, though, that there was a Beatles songbook <laughs> in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> and on the coverage, it
1: helped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, that was bad. <laughs> 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 Investigators spoke with attendant Harry Rout. Rout had been the person on duty in the left luggage room on June the 6th when the trunk was left. Rout recalled remembering how heavy the trunk was, but little else. He stated the men who left the item had no real discernible features, but he said he wouldn't be able to identify them if he happened to. And I think really what happened was... I
0: think someone got to him. We'll fucking kill you if you don't
1: because this is Brighton after all. You know, there was a lot of cool. gangsters.
2: Well, Dutch, well, gangsters, yeah. Back then.
1: Other railway stations around the UK were now on the lookout for luggage. And on the 18th of June, the next day after the trunk was discovered, attended William Cope of London's King's Cross station, alerted police to a foul smelling suitcase that matched. Sort of a similar description to the trunk that had been found.
2: Here we go again.
1: And that had been left in the cloakroom on June the 7th, the day after the trunk was left in Brighton. When police opened the suitcase, they found four packages that were wrapped in newspaper containing oiled, soaked brown paper bags tied with string inside. Very similar to, like, the day before. Yeah. And also... Like the day prior, parts of a woman's body were found, this time legs and feet. The same woman,
2: cut up into different pieces and left them in multiple trunks across the country, you think.
1: Well, the remains were sent to Brighton where the.
2: They put it together like a jigsaw.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we got the length, we got the head. What's um, next? Arm. They usually have arms, right? <laughs>
1: Uh, the remains were since Brighton again and it was determined that they did match the torso. The body Hold that it. was found. And Sir Bernard Pillsbury. No relation to the Pillsbury mm-hmm. doughboy. Uh he was a pathologist for the home office. He determined that the woman was in her mid-20s, about five foot two inches tall, and she was five months pregnant.
2: <gasps> Wait.
1: That the baby? <laughs> not the baby <laughs> it's not the baby oh god this is like getting bigger yeah. and bigger the baby was uh, inside the moses basket
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh oh okay the baby was in her yeah okay. w-
0: uh, yeah
2: <laughs> and he was like he he'd like she was five foot two you know young definitely dead <laughs> for sure like no way she's coming up back anytime yeah
1: possible. but he also could have been related to Quentin Tarantino because it was determined that she did keep really good care of her feet and
2: he kept them at the price.
1: <laughs> Given there was no identity to the woman nor a head or arms, the press referred to her as the <laughs> girl, girl
0: with the pretty feet
1: or simply as pretty feet. I read one account that said oh. that she had pretty feet like a dancer's feet and I'm like I've never seen a dancer's feet that were pretty what the fuck are you on about? Most yeah exactly that bad. they're gross. usually
2: broken and contorted yeah, <laughs> yeah. but they done to beatles music that's just lady yeah. what would yeah <laughs> <laughs> what the what the girl with no head taken they had to go with the girl with the pretty feet <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a full guy. you know what i mean yeah. both are catchy yeah fucking we'll have to romanticize everything
1: Chief Inspector Robert Donaldson was now on the case, and after lots of investigating the hospitals and looking into trying to find the men who left the trunks, nothing could be turned up, but there were several crazy people who confessed to being the murderers, but all proved false. (laughs) One weird lead led Donaldson to look into a well-known backseat abortionist who went by the name Dr. Edward Messiah. No way. Like, literally, Messiah. The Messiah. When Messiah had learned that uh, police were looking into him, he was approached by an officer, and he simply wrote a list of names. And I was just—I tr- read this numerous times, and I was just like, he just said "fuck it" and wrote a list of names. I'm assuming of women. What the fuck does that, that mean? Yeah. That he is murdered or have died in while care. giving them abortion. Yeah. Oh, oh that. Dark. Yeah. <laughs> so fucked up. This officer never told Donaldson this, who had only learned of it when a senior officer warned him to back off. Back off, you two take away from the time. <laughs> Messiah moved to London, where another woman died in his care while he was performing an abortion, and yet.
2: How did he still have a medical license?
1: I don't know. He evaded prosecution somehow, and he eventually retired to Trinidad. So,
2: who knows? But this guy did it, right? Is that what we think this guy did it
1: maybe there was another person that was potentially like linked but there was that was like years and years later someone said oh it could have been this guy because he killed his wife so I don't yeah. know it just sounds like a bunch okay. of like
2: yeah people trying to put it together yeah. I bet it was uh, like uh, a trunk maker trunk maker like <laughs> makes the cake there, and they would just like <laughs> wanted to test if you like, could put were, a like, body uh, in
0: yeah if you could <laughs> nothing you should if you did put a body in there <laughs> how long before the smell would like creep through
2: <laughs> it's purely scientific it's Purely scientific. Scientific. <laughs> they do it now they do it now <laughs> I bet they do it now maybe with animals yeah
1: because they're out of control
2: <laughs> and that we know yeah the animals they're out of control they need to be put in trouble for scientific possibly yeah <laughs> Because you know where they can't be out of control? In, in a trunk. fucking trunk. Yeah. In a fucking trunk. Where they belong.
1: <laughs> in the end, neither the victim nor the murderer was identified, but the case strangely did lead to solving another
2: trunk murder! I didn't know Brighton was famous for trunk murder. Yeah. It doesn't Brighton at all. Well. I'm just yes,
1: assuming. It is, yeah. yeah. Classic, that's why it's called Brighton. the Brighton trunk murders. <laughs>
2: Okay, I got you. I'm working back with Tim.
1: <laughs> This time, the victim was 42-year-old Violet Key, who was a dancer and prostitute in London, who met a man by the name of Tony Mancini, whose real name was Cecil Lewis, England, who went by a bunch of other <laughs> different names as well. He was 26-year-old criminal who was also a waiter and a bouncer, and together they moved to Brighton. They had a pretty tumultuous relationship and eventually one evening an argument occurred at Skylark Cafe where Mancini was working when a drunken Violet accused Mancini of being a little too familiar with a teenage waitress named Elizabeth Luttrell.
0: Ooh, shot fired. Violet K was never seen again.
2: But one witness did specifically overhear him say, I'm going to put you in a truck. <laughs> See how you like that See how you like that Yeah, how do you like that yeah. And he looked just like Eminem
1: Yeah, Thanks. but <laughs> Her clothes and belongings <laughs> were In the possession of Elizabeth Atrill, Because soon after Mancini gave Was her she wearing stuff her clothes?
2: That's a bad bitch right there
1: <laughs> To this teenage girl <laughs> She don't give a fuck the day after the argument, Tony Mancini claimed that Violet had gone off to Paris to start a new life. And she went naked. <laughs> Her sister in law even got a telegram in which which read Going abroad. Good job. Sell Sunday. We'll write. Vi. That sounded mad fake. It was later determined that this letter was sent after she was already dead. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it was in his handwriting. Yeah. And from his desk, he didn't take the watermark off
1: it. <laughs> Mancini took, off, took up lodging at 52 Kemp Street in Brighton. And this the house. This is the house. Nice. No, where is. he was using a trunk as a coffee table. And visitors often complained that a foul stench had been coming from this trunk.
2: He just kept it there. He lived by the
1: water. I don't know. Man. You know what I mean? Just throw it into yeah, the ocean. In. You
2: fucking, this is like it's like Benjamin Franklin all over you.
1: You'll never know.
2: <laughs> You'll never know. <laughs> You'll never know. They're <laughs> not going to know. They're not going to know. They're going to know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, when police were investigating Violet K.'s disappearance, Mancini went on the run. Later, a decorator reported a foul stench police came to 52 Kemp Street and discovered the trunk that Mancini was using as a coffee table contained the remains of Violet
2: K. Not surprising, is that, <laughs> And
1: it was full of two. <laughs> <laughs> Mancini was soon found in Lewisham, Southeast London, and was arrested for the murder of Violet K. I like the fact that like, well, they got him. He put her in a trunk, right? So I'm assuming that her mm. clothes were in said trunk. And he got so he all of her clothes out. out And gave it to this girl That he had a thing with Or was trying to have a thing yeah. with probably And yeah. then he put her yeah. inside yeah. of the trunk
2: Yeah Because it's a nice trunk You're not going to not have it yeah. and like the man, you know, <laughs> the centerpiece of your room yeah. That would be, be a shame <laughs> Seriously it bugged me That he lived right by the ocean and he yeah. just a- I'm not like a giving idea But like like what not to do mm. keep it in the house yeah
1: or i mean fuck just take it to the train station because it's obvious that the police can't figure out <laughs> where these people are coming from
2: <laughs> it's the easiest thing in the world to just leave yeah they to the train station yeah now they destroy yeah it. they'll blow it They're up so it's now.
1: even easier
0: <laughs> they'll don't get rid of the body for you now yeah <laughs> I'm not telling you you should put a dead body inside its truck, and I'm not telling you you should leave that at a train station because they will just detonate it for you. I'm just saying if you happen yeah. to. If you do,
2: just problem no, problem, i just not too bad, you know? Two birds. One stone. Don't we live in such a magical time? <laughs>
1: <laughs> the trial of Tony Mancini for the murder of Violet K lasted four days, and during which Mancini claimed that he had come home to find Violet dead and thought that no one would believe he wasn't responsible due to his criminal record. So he hid her in the trunk and left the premises, where he kept her in the trunk at 52 Kemp Street.
2: That's it? That's your best defense? <laughs> she did it to herself? Yeah.
1: There was also some debate the about the forensics done during the case, and about how there was some like morphine found inside the system of uh, Violet K and her and they
2: they think to are 30 <laughs> Everyone taking morphine bro.
1: yeah he well he also had a pretty shitty uh, lawyer who actually helped him out because his lawyer his defense attorney basically like got him off because there was all this debate no about all this shit they were using stuff about her profession of being a prostitute and drugs and blah 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 so after a two and a quarter hours of deliberation the jury returned a verdict of not guilty
2: Fuck. The justice system had broken.
1: And then in 1976, a near death Nancy confessed that he had gotten away with
2: (laughs) murder. And everybody around him was like, no shit. shit. And then they put him in a trunk. (laughs) I hope he was buried in a trunk. (laughs) Just to, you know, cap it off. Yeah. What
0: a life. What a life. A day in the life.
1: This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective and is made possible by listeners like you. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at breadcrumbspod. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family. Breadcrumbs.